part of um, our service, we continue our worship to our Lord with our tithes and offerings. And I just want to inv invite all those who's live streaming to um, joining us here at New Hope Church. Uh, please join us in the fellowship hall as well. But, you know, they talked about Spruce Up Day. And for our family at home, our Spruce Up Day is a day after Christmas. We decorated our house up with Christmas. We put our Christmas tree up, put the lights on. All the grandkids came over, hang all the ornaments. The grandma goes back, and we hang the ornaments again and do all these things. But it's just, it's a great, great time. My, my wife really loves Christmas. My, um, and we just get into it. We got the main tree up, and then in another corner of the house, in the living room, we put up these other trees and things, and I think there's a total of about eight or nine Christmas trees in our house of all different sizes and shapes and things. But um, the greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. And this is where we get to show our love and our appreciation is to our ties. But let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I ask that your presence be here today as we continue to show our gratitude, our love to you, Lord, through our ties, that you may take it and reach the world um, th through our efforts. Um, and I just thank you for that opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we kick off a brand new series, It's Christmas. Pastor Marsha Krieger is going to share with us how we survive the season. Because think about it, in this season, there are going to be some ups and downs and things that we go through. But there's one thing we should know for sure, that God is with us. In fact, throughout the Bible, you're going to read that phrase, God with us. It comes from the Hebrew word Emmanuel, or the Hebrew name Emmanuel. So today, as Pastor Marsha shares with us, let's jot down some notes on how we can survive the season. Let's welcome up Pastor Marsha Krieger. Well, good morning. And I can officially say Merry Christmas. I've been um, banned at my house. My daughter won't let me say it um, until after the day after Thanksgiving. But as we enter into the Christmas season, it's so easy to get caught up in all the hype and the pressure to be everywhere that we want to be, to purchase all the gifts that we need to purchase, and to get into that festive mood. But you know what? This is a time to celebrate. And speaking of celebrating, how's Hilo High, guys? 55 yards. I don't know. Congratulations to all of those guys that are Hilo High. But we get to celebrate and we get to focus on what's going on. And the thing that we got to remember is that this season is about so much more than this next month. And it's so much more than the gifts under the tree. But I think sometimes that we don't see beyond right now to what God's greater plan is. In fact, last week, my husband is such a trooper that my football team, the Niners, was playing his team, the Packers, and he actually dared to go with me into Niner territory to watch the game. And so we're watching the game, and one of the um, stories that the um, announcers kept playing up was the fact that the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, back in, the, I think it was a 2005 draft, had wanted to be drafted by the 49ers. And smart people that we are, we drafted Alex Smith. So not only did we pass up on one of the greatest quarterbacks out there, but we provided an opportunity for probably the greatest soundbite ever. Because when he was being interviewed after the draft, the um, reporter asked him, how disappointed are you that you weren't drafted by the Niners? 
And you know what his reply was? Not as disappointed as they're going to be. <laughs> and I think he's proven us right. But on the way home, we were talking about the game, and we were talking about that, because that just really struck me. Because they even showed pictures of him as a little kid in 49er uniform. And I thought about how disappointed he must have been when this other name was called. And then on the way home, I looked at Tom and I said, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is a Christian? And he goes, I don't know. Why? And I said, well, do you think he ever wonders if maybe God maybe had a different plan for him? And he missed seeing how great that plan was because he was disappointed by this decision? And maybe he wouldn't have been the great quarterback that he is if he'd been with the Niners because he got to learn so much from Brett Favre. And does he ever think about, like, maybe, maybe there was a better thing that I didn't end up where I wanted to? And does he ever, ever sit there and go, you know what, I'm really grateful for the way things worked out? And then I said, you know, I wonder for each and every one of us, when we look over our lives and we remember different things that have happened, do we have moments like Aaron Rodgers? Were there moments of great disappointment or hurt or frustration or surprise that blinded us to something greater that God wanted to accomplish in and through us? Or maybe, is it possible that right this moment, some of us are in that moment right now? A moment where we can't see what God is bringing about, but it's bigger and it's more powerful than we could ever dream or imagine. The Apostle Paul reminded the church in Rome, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. See, we don't have to manipulate or maneuver our circumstances to bring about a positive solution. It's not our responsibility. Notice that Paul said that in all things, God works for the good. See, it's not on us. It's not our kuleana. It's God's responsibility. And we need to learn to let go of the reins and allow God to do his thing <clears throat> without our interference. And when we find ourselves in a place where we're wondering, how in the world am I going to get past this? We need to pause. We need to refocus and shift our gaze to see beyond right now, beyond what our current situation looks like. And instead, we need to catch a glimpse of God's bigger purpose. And that's exactly what Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, had to do. He had to recalibrate and reshift his focus. He was blindsided by the information that Mary had given him, and he needed to rethink his response. So we're beginning this new series called It's Christmas. And since we're beginning there, I want to look at the Christmas story, and I want to learn three things that we can do to survive the season. So I'm going to start reading from Matthew chapter 1, um, verses 18 through 24. And if you have your apps or your Bibles, you can turn there and follow if you want. Um, and I'm going to grab my glasses. Hang on. So verses um, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her faithful, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. In biblical times, if you were pledged to be married to someone, it carried the same weight and commitment as marriage. So when the Bible, Bible says that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, in Joseph's eyes, and in the eyes of the community, they were as good as married. So when Joseph looked at his immediate circumstances, Mary, the girl he was supposed to marry was pregnant, and he wasn't the father. Now that would have been a punch to his gut, and he needed to decide what he was going to do. So according to Old Testament law, Joseph could have her stoned. He could actually have her brought to the doorstep of her father's house and have her stoned because she was pregnant. And if he was vengeful, he could unquestionably and rightfully make that decision. He certainly didn't have to marry her and take on the responsibility of a wayward wife. But he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. So he made what in his days would have been called a noble decision. He was going to quietly divorce her. And before he could carry out his decision, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and shifted his perspective. God had bigger plans, and having Joseph divorce Mary wasn't part of them. And he and Mary were in the middle of God's much bigger, more powerful purpose. And Joseph didn't know it. But what he and Mary were living through was set in motion before either of them ever existed. When Matthew wrote, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was referring to an Old Testament prophecy found in Isaiah, which said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And after the angel spoke to Joseph, Joseph had to make a decision. He could continue with his plans. No one would have blamed him. Or he could set his plans aside and he could follow God's way. And according to Matthew, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. Now, this Christmas, we may be getting stressed at how quickly Christmas is coming, 
And how are we going to get all the things that are expected of us? How are we going to do everything? How are we going to shop for all the right gifts? How am I going to survive this holiday? Things aren't going the way I wanted. People aren't acting the way I want. How am I supposed to be joyful when I just don't feel it? And we may think our season is chaotic, but Joseph's Christmas looked a little bit more chaotic and definitely more stress-inducing. If he chose to follow God's plan, life as he knew it and planned it would undergo a seismic shift. And before we move any further, I want to acknowledge something. Earlier I said we would look at the Christmas story and learn from it. And believe me, this is a Christmas story. It's a great story. And if you're around my age, you have the visions of Linus walking up to Charlie Brown and saying, and this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It is a Christmas story. But to Joseph and Mary, this was so much more than a story. It was real life. It was their life. Mary was a real flesh and blood person. She was a young woman who had to tell the man that she was pledged to marry, that she was pregnant. And even though he wasn't the father, by the way, nobody was. This is kind of a God thing. Now, how do you think that looked in real life? I imagine tears. I imagine fear. I imagine doubt. And Joseph was a real flesh and blood man. He was standing before this woman that he loved. He had a future that he, and a life that he had planned with her. And it all changed in one conversation. And Mary was telling in this story that was unbelievable. It was undeniably painful. And how could he believe her? It made no sense. And I was wondering what was running through his mind. Like, was he scanning in the back of his mind for like moments and conversations with Mary or like maybe she was probably not all there and maybe now this is showing. Or maybe he was wondering, who in the world did she betray me with? And I'm sure they both knew what lay ahead of them. They both knew that they would be laughed at and mocked. Mary would be that girl. The one with the baby with questionable fatherhood. And for her, I was like, how would she survive? And how would she provide for her baby? See, in biblical times, she couldn't just go out and find a job and be a single mom. Women didn't have status in those days. And if Joseph left her, her future looked bleak. And Joseph, well, Joseph would be, oh, poor Joseph. You know what that girl did to him, right? And despite all the raw emotions and the questions and the hurt, Joseph heard the angel, and he decided to choose God's way. And if you're taking notes, you can write that in the first blank. Choose God's way. See, the angel told Joseph two things in his dream. One, don't be afraid to take Mary home. This is a God thing. Two, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And Emmanuel was never meant to be the name of Jesus. Instead, it was a title. Christian apologist and author Don Stewart says, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is called Emmanuel. This is not a personal name. In Isaiah 7, 14, it is seen as fulfilled, not in the naming of Jesus, but in the whole account of his origin and naming. 
It is not that Jesus ever bore the name Emmanuel, but that it indicates his role, bringing God's presence to man. And the reason that Jesus needed to fill, fulfill the role of bringing God's presence to man is because man forfeited the presence of God in the Garden of Eden when they chose their own way. Last week, Pastor Sheldon spoke about how Adam and Eve's decision to disobey God in the Garden of Eden had eternal consequences. And one of those consequences of their decision was the loss of God's presence. And if you weren't here or aren't familiar with the account of Adam and Eve, you can read about it in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. But I'm just going to do a quick overview. See, when God created Adam and Eve, he told them they could eat of any tree in the garden except for one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the, uh, the enemy came into the garden, and what he did is he immediately tries to undermine their trust in God. And he says to them, did God really say and Eve answered him and says, well, we're not supposed to eat from this tree. We're not even supposed to touch it. And as soon as the enemy heard that opening, because God never said, don't touch the tree. And as soon as the enemy heard that, he pounced. And he maligned God's character. And he said, God knows that you'll be like him. And then what happened was Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit from the only tree that they weren't supposed to eat. And after they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened. They saw that they were naked and they became ashamed and they made coverings for themselves and they avoided God. Genesis 3.8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, can you imagine? God used to talk and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. But once they chose to do things their own way, and they ate from the one fruit that God told them not to eat, they experienced shame, broken relationship, and all the emotions and thought processes associated with it. Their relationship with each other, was now tainted by shame. Remember, as soon as their eyes were open, they knew that they were naked and they covered up. Worse than that, they experienced broken fellowship with God. And where once where they used to walk in the garden with him in the evening, now they hid from him. And I think we can all identify with the pain of a broken relationship. We know the hurt, we know the rejection, we know the broken feeling. When I was a lot younger, my dad left my mom for another woman, and within a year, he married her. And shortly after that, he was stationed out of the um, state of Hawaii. And so my dad decided at that point he didn't need a family anymore, so when he moved, he didn't leave a forwarding address, and we never heard from my dad again. We all know the story and the feeling of a broken relationship and whatever you're feeling for me right now, there are some of you sitting here in this room, some of you that are online, that have the very same story. We all have this story of brokenness. And our story is similar to the brokenness of the relationship between God and man. 
And after Adam and Eve chose to do things their own way and eat the one fruit in the garden that God commanded them not to eat, rejection, brokenness, regret, broke the connection that existed between God and man. And the relationship between God and man, the man that he created, was forever broken. Adam and Eve could no longer enjoy evening walks in the garden with the one who made them. Genesis says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. See, God didn't send them away because he didn't love them. He sent them away so they couldn't eat from the tree of life and forever live with the brokenness of a relationship with God. He sent them away so they wouldn't have to live forever with the consequences of their decision. God doesn't want a broken relationship. He never wanted to be separated from us. And even as he walked in the garden, he called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? See, I don't think he was looking for Adam and Eve. I think he knew where they were. I think he was looking for them, not because he had lost them, but because they were lost. He knew where they were hiding. And I believe he wanted them to know that he was looking for them, that he didn't want the relationship to be broken. I think that's why he called out, where are you? And God still doesn't want a broken relationship with us. That's why Jesus came as Emmanuel. That's why Jesus is God with us. And through the messy, somewhat chaotic birth of Jesus, God came right into the center of our very existence as Emmanuel. He enters into our life as God with us. God with us was, the plan, was God's plan from the very beginning. He used to walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He was with Adam and Eve. And when our relationship was broken because of Adam and Eve's wrong decision, he sent his son Jesus to Emmanuel, his people. The Apostle Paul says this, and I love it in the uh, message version. He says, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. One man. Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us, to restore our broken relationship with God. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate a restored relationship. And that's point number two if you're taking notes. Jesus is the reason for every season. Now, during this month, if you were to ask the people around you what Christmas, Christmas means to them, you'd hear different things. In fact, why don't we do that? It'll take about 10 seconds, and turn to the person next to you, and just tell each other, what does Christmas mean to you? I'll give you 10 seconds. And those of you online, you can text somebody if you want. Okay? What does Christmas mean to you? Okay. I bet... Some of you heard things like, it's family, Amen. it's joy, it's get-togethers, 
It's getting gifts or receiving them. It's children. It's eggnog or other holiday-type foods. It's shopping. It's go, go, go. For others, on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's stress. Where am I going to find the money for this? It's loneliness. It's regret. It's overtime. It's difficult relationships. It's unmet expectations. It's culture wars. It's not happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. It's Merry Christmas. It's Christ. And for as long as I can remember, Christians would say, Jesus is the reason for this season. And we're right. He is. However, if we follow Jesus, Jesus is the reason for every season. We should always remember and celebrate not just his birth, but his presence. Shouldn't we always live Emmanuel? Shouldn't we always live God with us? And if we live a God with us life, if we align our hearts to God, to his presence and his words, then our lives might look different. In fact, I'll be bold enough to say that if we live as if God actually were with us, our lives would be different. Jesus himself said that the things that we do and say, the way we react or respond, even the way we think, begins in our hearts. The message version says it this way. It's what comes out of a person that pollutes Obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. There is a source of your pollution. See, when our hearts are separated from God, when they're not aligned with him, then those things, that, that list, that palming, that's what fills our hearts. And what's in our hearts eventually is what's going to come out. But when we align our hearts with God, when we allow it to change us from the inside, when we live Emmanuel, God with us, it changes us. I have three children. You need to know that Kristen is my middle child, and middle child is very key to the story. See, every year around my birthday in September, I start celebrating Christmas. But my middle child says you can't do anything Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And so what I'll do is I will start and I'll listen to my Christmas playlist on my um, playlist and I have my headphones on. So she can't hear the music. But you guys all know what happens when you have headphones on. You forget that people can hear you singing. So she hears me. And then when I pick up her son from school or my other grandkids, I have the Christmas playlist playing because they tattle. And then they tell Auntie Chris, Grandma's listening to Christmas music. <laughs> now, according to Chris, the reason she's so anti-Christmas before Thanksgiving is because you have the trifecta of Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Now, remember, she's a middle child. So when you walk into the store starting in September, you see all the Halloween things. You see candy, you see masks, you see all the decorations. But as soon as Halloween is over, you don't see Thanksgiving unless you're in a grocery store, you see Christmas. And so my middle child says that Thanksgiving is the middle child 
between Halloween and Christmas, it gets forgotten. Right? And so the loving, kind mother that I am starts celebrating Christmas before Halloween. Now, I do that just to bug her. In fact, just this Christmas, I, we have this elf on the shelf thing that we've had for years, and I took it out around Christmas, and I stuck it where she could find it, and it disappeared. And I swore she hid it. I kept asking her, where'd you put it? I can't bring it out. It was missing. And then it was so bad that my 15-year-old grandson went out and bought another one. And then I found the old one. She didn't. I, I lost it. But, you know, we do this in our house, and we're just having fun with each other. We're just teasing and all that. But let me tell you something. Even though we're doing that just for fun, Christmas shouldn't be just the last quarter of the year. Christmas should be every single day. All the time. Because Christmas is about Jesus. And Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us all the time. And when God is with us all the time, it's about celebrating him every single day, every single moment. When Joseph and Mary lived and experienced the very first Christmas, God's plan and desire was that we as his children would forever and always experience Emmanuel, God with us all the time. And what I love about the Christmas season is the joy that's associated with it. Yet when Mary first encountered the angel who told her she would give birth to Jesus, joy was not her response. It says, and having come, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. See, the angel greeted Mary by telling her that the Lord was with her. And Mary's response was not immediate joy. She was troubled at the angel's greeting. And she was so troubled that the angel had to say to her, don't be afraid. And then he told her that she had found favor with God, and then he gave her instructions that was going to turn her world upside down. And I love her response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary was going into unknown territory, but she trusted that if this was God's thing and that this was where he was leading her, then she wasn't going alone. And she fully trusted that if this were God's doing, he would be with her all along the way. And her faith and trust in God allowed her to yield to God and say, may your word be fulfilled. And like Mary, I believe that we need to live our lives fully trusting that wherever, however, whenever, and whatever God leads us to, he's going to be there. And if you're following God, you won't be alone. 
And you can write that in your third note. Jesus came for us. One of Jesus' disciples, John, said about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. In theological terms, this is called the incarnation. An incarnation can be defined this way. Incarnation is a term used by theologians to indicate that Jesus, the son of God, took on human flesh. Jesus Christ took on human nature, yet remained fully God at the same time. Jesus always had been God, but at the incarnation, Jesus became a human being. The addition of the human nature and the divine nature is Jesus. One person, fully God and fully man. Author and pastor Tony Evans said it this way, the son existed before the child was born. The virgin gave birth to a child, but the child that the virgin birthed existed before the virgin ever got pregnant. Therefore, the son was given, not born. And we don't understand this. But at his birth, Jesus did not stop being God. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And when Jesus walked this earth and spent time with his disciples, he was fully God and fully man. So everything he did, he did as God and man. So when the disciples walked with Jesus, they were experiencing what Adam and Eve gave up in the garden. They now walked with God. And through their decision, Adam and Eve broke the relationship with God and they forfeited walking with him in the garden. But God's plan of redemption, of restoring that relationship with his creation, was begun at the incarnation and it was finished at the cross. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we now have presence of God in our lives. We experience Emmanuel, God with us. And as his followers, not only do we experience Emmanuel, not only we get to have his presence in our life, but we have this responsibility of bringing his presence with us into everything that we do. Jesus told his followers that because he was going back to the Father, that we would do greater works than he. And he said that he would send his spirit. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And then later on he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus says we're going to do the works that he does. We're going to do greater. And he's going to empower us to do that by sending us the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, those of us who say yes to Jesus and ask him to be our Lord also receive the Holy Spirit. And not only do we receive the Holy Spirit, but then we're commissioned to go out and do his works. 
And that means that everywhere we go, we represent Emmanuel. That no matter where we are, we represent God with us. So whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're shopping, whether you're at your family's home, whether you're at a gathering, if you're sitting in traffic, we bring his Holy Spirit and we bring his presence. God with us. We bring God with us wherever we go. So when we begin to feel overwhelmed or stressed, we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to remember what Christmas is all about. Christmas draws us back to remembering and to celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. We need to remember and remind ourselves that Christmas is more than just a baby born in a manger, but it's the presence of that baby in our lives. And I love, this is probably, we're going to watch a clip in a few minutes, the best reminder of what Christmas is all about. Let's take a look. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. We may feel like Charlie Brown. We may feel like it's all chaotic and crazy and what's going on around me. And we may be feeling like it's stressful or people are laughing at us or maybe we're feeling joy. But we cannot forget what Christmas is all about. Christmas is God with us. And it's his presence with us that doesn't help us just to survive the holidays. But we overcome. And we overcome because of the presence of God. We overcome because God is with us.
we get to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he's Emmanuel, God with us. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you are with us. And thank you because of your presence, we don't just survive. We celebrate. We overcome. We don't just remember that you are God with us, but we bring your presence with us into everything that we do, into every person that we meet and talk to. May they experience your presence because of our choices, because of our words, because of our love. So this Christmas, Lord God, may we celebrate Emmanuel. May we celebrate God with us. But more than that, as we go out into the community, as we go out into our workplaces, as we go out into shopping, as we go out into traffic and into grocery stores, may we bring Emmanuel. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen.